Hello and welcome to Come Out and Play, the D&D podcast that's all trans, all the time. My name is Benjamin, my pronouns are he, him, and I will be your DM for this campaign. My name is Moss, I use Z, them pronouns, and I'm playing Ember, who uses they, them pronouns. They are a human paladin of the singing flame. My name is Mel, I use they, them pronouns. I play Trick, who also uses they, them pronouns. Trick is a huge human warrior and Ember's elder sibling. My name is Haz, I use they, them pronouns, and I play Maynard, who uses he, him pronouns, and he is a skittish wizard. I'm Chris, I play Rill, and we both use he, him pronouns. Hey, what, what were we even doing? <laughs> Does anyone know what's going on? We are in the spooky We're the centerpiece of a funerary procession. Yes, you are. Because we need to get into a portal to a god who is dead. And then yes, we do. So we and the god of death. <laughs> so this will be uh, interesting. Mm-hmm. The curse of death. Yeah. The curse of death was my band at university. <laughs> <laughs> Math rock. <laughs> okay, so our party are presently the centerpiece of a funeral convey. They blah blah, blah blah blah. Okay, so I have forgotten how to use the English language, and that could be a problem for this audio podcast. But we will soldier on. Our party are currently in a large underground cavern, which is a situation they have been in before. This one contains a large underground lake, and on the shores of the lake, a small funerary temple. This is the lake at utmost west, from which, so it is reputed, there is a portal directly to the realm of the now-dead god of death, the Merciful Dark, who was regent over both dying and the state of being dead, and this was a centre of his worship. You have talked your way, uh, you, have t- you have talked your way past the keeper of the temple in the drow city of Farazret, which is a couple of days travel along and up, up the underground river from this lake, and they have historically been the keepers of the place. You have persuaded Farini, the uh, priest is no longer quite the word, but the keeper of that temple, to bring you down here and let you attempt to enter the dead god's realm, which puts you more or less in the position of the deceased, because this is a funerary temple. And there are certain rituals that must be followed before it is religiously proper to let you go into the dark. So, various bits of setup have been performed by Farini and her assistant priest. Uh, You have been asked to leave your packs and also your footwear in a a small boat that has been uh, brought over from the the groundskeeper's boathouse, which will be big enough to hold the four of you sitting up. They are quite insistent that you should be barefoot for this part. Packs and things will be coming with us through the portal, right? Yes, the plan, Okay. Um, as it is explained to you, is that normally the, the dead person would be laying down on a kind of, kind of wicker raft, which would be floated out between the two smaller canoes that are here and sort of let to float over the edge by itself. Uh, the plan is for you for to instead go in this larger canoe and pretend that's and, and they will pretend that's the raft and they will sort of steer you to the right spot and you and your packs and stuff will all go together to the other side. All right, well, let's hope this works. Real says as he starts taking off his boots. It is an uncomfortable thing to be doing. Mm. But we do it anyway. Wonderful. I'm glad to hear you're being polite. (laughs) 
again, in a deviation from the normal practice, you are not laying down upon the small altar in the small temple, uh, partly because there are four of you and partly because they're not corpses and it would be kind of weird. So instead, you are lined up standing in front of it. Uh, and Farini starts up a slow, meditative kind of song. And Hikalin, your, um, your boat pilot who helped bring you down, joins in. Drill would recognize some of the language. It is not standard undercommon. It is partly the old, very formal version of drow that's used in some contracts and some older records, but there is sprinkled into it also quite a lot of celestial. Oh, interesting. Okay. And it echoes very extensively between the surface of the lake and the surface of the rock as these two voices are, are moving in counterpoint and you're listening to the words, but you're realizing, you know, there is a lot of repetition. This is not, this is not music that is about the lyrics. And you start to hear a faint third voice moving through the harmonies. It's, you know, Farini has a lovely voice and Hikalian is doing pretty good. This third voice is rough and scratchy and whispery and doesn't sound like a drow trained in choral performance at all. Hard to be sure where that one's coming from and it is much quieter. Okay. Rill is gonna look around to see if there's any obvious um, markers of where that could be coming from. But he's not going to, you know, he's not going to interrupt um, mm -hmm. the the uh, goings on, the actual ceremony. Okay. You struggle to pinpoint it, I would say. This goes on for a couple of minutes as Farini is um, doing, there are candles being lit, there is incense being lit and the thoroughfare waved in turn before each of you to sense you. That sense with a C. She then takes pieces of a small, small slips of paper and then ceremoniously burns each slip and collects the ashes in a little silver bowl and then comes down the line, dips her thumb into the ashes and marks each of you in turn on your forehead on the back of your hand, and just lightly brushes these ashes across your lips. Go now, Agarden Rill and Maynard and Ember and Trick, depart from the world. Give your thoughts to the wind and take up stillness. Give your voice to the waters and take up silence. Give your strength to the stone and take up peace. What strife may be, let it remain with the living. Let the dead go forgiven into death. Let darkness carry them into the hands of the god. And at this point, if you really were dead, you would be carried down to the water. As it is, you are prodded and nudged to process on your own feet into the small boat where you've left your things. But not to row it. Instead, Farini and Hekalin, in smaller canoes on either side of you, settle themselves and take up their paddles and from a, a cleat in the boat, uh, attach a leading rope from the prow of your canoe to theirs and start to tow you out across the lake. There was a little light in the temple from the candles. There is none out on the lake. The drow can make lights. It's their native magic. None of them are you are very quickly unable to see anything except the distant glimmer of that temple behind you. There's almost no noise. Even the lake doesn't make much sound because down here there's no wind to create waves. 
and you have to trust that these two know how to tell the difference between the edge of the world and the almost identical darkness that is a portal to the next one. Because they get up a little bit of momentum and they point themselves into the darkness and they reach out and they take the leading line off of your little boat and you are drifting into the black. Do you all hold your nerve? <laughs> I am terrified. I am trembling. Um, if I'm... If I am able to stay still and quiet, it is only because fear of the fear of the gods is greater than fear of sailing out of the world, and only barely. Personally, I would say that is a very sensible emotional reaction. Mm. If I was there, I don't think I would be chill. Maynard is struggling to be chill. It's very got that kind of shocked stillness, where like it looks like he's calm. But it doesn't. It's too still. Okay, so Maynard's not calm, but he is dissociating. Yeah, a little bit. Amber's a little bit anxious, but they have full faith in the singing flame and their mission. And, and they have faith in Farini. And they believe that everything will work out. Rill is trying to meditate and clear his mind while they are sailing out. Um, he has come to an almost uh, zen sort of feeling of either this works or it doesn't and we die. So he is, he is accepting that or trying to at least. <laughs> really is just strapped into the roller coaster being like, what happens will happen. Yeah, yeah, I think that's... And that's Ember is like... Mean. What else are we going to do? Yeah, right? and, and Ember is just buoyed up by, by faith in, in both the gods and the people. That is like, I acknowledge this is scary, but this is going to be fine. We are going to be fine. Mm -hmm. We have to be fine. There's more to do. There has to be at least one person who's fine. I think it is extremely proper that it would be Ember the Paladin who is fine. <laughs> <laughs> You drift. It is anyone looking back, or are you looking forward? Seem like there's much point in looking back or looking anywhere. So might as well sit comfortably. Yeah, I think we yeah. have to look look forward. Like I assume we were sort of given positions, and it it feels hazardous to move and leave the role. Mm-hmm. Which means no one is watching to see the lights of the temple behind you vanish. Oh no! If you were, you would know that you are in absolute blackness ahead and behind for about ten seconds before you start to see stars in front of you. And beneath them, a low shoreline of pale grey sand and you begin to see starlight reflecting off the waters around you and you are drifting a little way out from the shore somewhere else uh, you may wish at this point to use the paddles you've been provided with because you, you will drift to a stop a little way before you actually uh, make landfall, but it's not difficult to just paddle yourselves in and beach your little boat on that sand and uh, perhaps take a look around you. But that's up to you. You've made it somewhere. What's the light here? Uh, it is dim. It is not mm. dark. So all of you can see a bit. You can see, okay. now that you're looking around, actually further than you would think. Like, it feels dark more than it is dark. To use a very modern explanation, you know how when movies are shot in the dark, but actually you can see everything perfectly? Mm -hmm. It's kind of like that. You are, you are aware that this place is only lit by starlight, but at the same time, you can see 
as far as you would if it were bright. Okay. What color is the light? Can we see a light source? Only the stars. Cool. Awesome. Do we see anything else? Uh, buildings? A temple? Anything like that? Uh, roll me, roll me a, um, either perception or investigation. Your call. Uh, I'll go with perception. Let's see. Oh, that was almost a nat 20. Uh, that's a 16. It's not an awful number. Hmm. Where you are, on this shallow beach, there is this pale grey, sandy substance. It's sort of gritty rather than soft. And you take a pinch of it between your fingers and the pieces are larger than sand and have an unevenness and a, a dry, porous feel to them that you eventually unwillingly put together that this is probably bone. Hmm. In small pieces, but recognizably still bone. And it stretches off like you've landed on the edge of a desert. There are some... It's not a totally featureless landscape. There are some uh, ripples that look like perhaps there are dunes in the distance. There are some patches of shadow or places that shine under the starlight that you think could be buildings. But more striking is that this is not a landscape that goes on forever. This is a landscape that goes on a couple of hundred yards, maybe 500 yards, not very far before there's another of the uncomfortably familiar cracks and a gap and then the next stretch of landscape and as you're looking you can see that the the levelness of the land is broken there are places where chunks of landscape have drifted up or sunk down because they're not connected to their neighbors and on one of the nearest pieces few hundred yards from where you are, you see what you initially think is a statue, except that if it's a statue, someone has put a lot of work into making some very realistic eyes, because it's watching you. There is a shape that looks pretty close to a very large lion, but winged and it's resting on the very edge of a fragment of the landscape with its front paw sort of hanging off into the void and its face pillowed on the other one turned watching you and as it sees you it unhurriedly picks itself up and stretches flaps its wings a couple of times and leaps out across the gap towards you. I have a question. Mm -hmm. Like, we have been, you know, prepared for a funeral. Um, Would we have been, like, you know, would we have left our arms and armour with our packs, or...? Uh, You would have been specifically told that the custom is to, to go into death as the most essential version of yourself, which is, of course, distinct from the best version. So people are buried in this tradition in their armor or in their robes or with the symbols of their office or of their work. So if you think of yourself as a warrior, it is appropriate to wearing your armor. If you think of yourself as a farmer trick, you should have taken it off. <laughs> you see, the thing is, right? You see, the thing is, right? On the one hand, there is the practical concern, you know? There is, there is an element of practical concern here. And also, you know, the armour is, to, a, to, to an extent, and, you know, a depiction of my state of office as a, you know, senior fighting part of our fighting levy and so on. On the other hand, 
On the other hand, if I'm expecting the Lord of Falling Waters to carry me home, mm-hmm. it feels like a very symbolically charged time, right? It does. It feels like it would be a mixed message to um <laughs> to come out uh to come out to come out to come out to come out of my armor, right? It does. It does seem that coming to him in your armor would be making a very specific statement about who you are. Yeah. Oh well. That's a shame. But I do have but I do on the other hand have the correct, like, you know, divine symbolism going on, which is much more important. Exactly. You have to choose at some point between practicality and spiritual truth. And you have chosen correctly. Exactly. Orthopraxy. It's um it keeps you safe. Probably. Ember, on the other hand, probably is in their <laughs> armor because they are a paladin, and it's important yeah. to them. And mm. before being a paladin, they were a blacksmith, and they're all about that metal. Yeah, probably actually made your armor. No, you know, you know, you are wearing cool dwarf armor because it lets you sort yeah. of nearly fly. I did make the armor that I was wearing before that. Nice. And the other two. Um, I don't know whether Rill's in his armor, but Maynard's probably fine. (laughs) Maynard is wearing as much armor as is normal. (laughs) I am wizard all the way down. Uh, No, I don't think Rill is wearing his scale mail. That is not an integral part of how he sees himself, so he's just in his his priestly robes. So you're in your robes, Trick is in their clothes. Uh, Both of you would have your armor in the boat with you, of course, but not Mm -hmm. currently wearing it. and you have time. I mean, your real points either points out or literally points at this creature. And you have time, as you're thinking, oh shit, my armor's in the boat, to notice that as it passes through the section of nothingness, it's dropping down towards you much more slowly than physics normally allows for. It looks like it is in the middle of a normal loop. Not like it's flying. It's falling in the way of something that has jumped down. It's just taking a long time to do the falling part. And is that a patch of nothingness like we saw in the other god realm? Yes. This is a fairly wide crack between sections of landscape and the one on the far side has drifted upwards and you can sort of see the the layered side where it cuts down through the material that makes up this desert. Mm. And I I think I think rather than scrambling for my sword and shield mm-hmm. I'd like to rack my brains instead, limited though they may be. Uh, could I maybe make some sort of religion check? Hmm, what are you trying to figure trying, out? I'm trying to, I'm trying to, um, I'm trying to kind of firstly identify this, um, celestial, and secondly, um, and secondly, ideally, try and, try and see, try and see if I can think of, you know, anything which is known to be the correct thing to say or do to it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, roll religion. I am treating this as an encounter with an angel rather than a monster. Mm-hmm. Fifteen. You've definitely seen depictions of beings like this. Mm-hmm. Probably not life-size statues, but you've definitely... You, re- you remember that one of the forms of angels is these great winged lions. You remember you've... you've you heard a story once about them leading the dead, or perhaps it was one hero. It's an old story. It was a long time ago, but you remember that imagery of pacing alongside the hero of the story along a road towards something in the afterlife. You don't remember any forms of words. Um, I don't think your religious tradition has a lot of expectation that this would be a place you would come back with stories from. Sure. Okay. 
in that case, my next move is to frantically say to everyone, you know, put up your put up your swords, put up your swords. We ought we ought best to ask them to guide us than to try to fight. Get your things quickly, in case it in case it expects us to, in case it expects us to leave leave quickly. Right. I would like to quickly cast bless on us all, just in case. I, I do like to quickly have bless cast on me. Actually, that's that's, <laughs> that's always well, I would, fun. Uh, like to do armor of Agathus on myself, you know, just in case. Okay, <laughs> you are hashtag blessed. You have that cool like like frost gilt pauldron thing going on. Yeah. And it takes about 30 seconds, maybe a minute, for what should have been a half-second jump for a creature of this size and a jump of that length before the great paws come down on the sand with a little puff of dust. And it paces over to you. And it's not hurrying, but this creature is about 10 feet high at the shoulder. So leisurely pacing towards you it still covers ground very quickly and as it comes to what if you are 10 foot tall probably feels like a comfortable conversational distance you hear not words out loud this is telepathic speech but it is accompanied by a deep rumbling for a moment, you worry that it's a growl, but it sounds like purring. That's what it feels like. And it's so deep, it rumbles in your own breastbone, but it doesn't feel like a warning noise. It feels like a welcome. And the voice in your head says, You came. I knew someone would come. You've been expecting us. I have been expecting someone. What do you expect... From us, or whoever. I have not been waiting with a task. I have been waiting to help. Oh, that is such a relief to hear. You have the look about you of heroes. You have come to do something. Find a stone that we can put into a crown that will help the world. Help heal the world. Which side are you on? I cannot see the world very well, but I know there were sides. Huge cat eyes flicking between you, trying to read your faces. As, 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 everybody, as everybody tries to work out what the right answer is. We are on the side that seeks to restore balance. But which side is that? Our gods are part of the circle of grace, if that's what you're asking. Silly to give themselves names like that. But we have also offered aid to the uh, to the dwarves and their gods. The angel looks um, more confused than anything, but does draw back just a, a little of in that confusion, in that uncertainty. Why will you not speak plain to me? I will. And I look at I look at other people like yes. Yes. Or gives a nod. I reckon here when is, people come here, they don't tend to bring a lot of pretense. Here is the whole of it. A long time ago, before your master was slain, another compact was made to disguise the death of another god. Then, then sides were taken. And the side that feared to let the, let the, deed, be, let the deed be known, lest it be tried again, and quietly the side that sought to set things set things right now after your lord died there was a war i do not know what how much you how much you know but fully half fully half of all the gods perish in that war and because all was concealed following that first compact for a long time nobody even knew two heal the world but the deaths set the world further astray it is falling from its axis like a child's top the only way the only way the only way we know to set things right is to take the shards of the 
forgotten God, and bring them power from deep in the heart of the dead God's realms, so that they may retake their place and provide whatever divine favour it is that is necessary to bring the world back into literal balance. That is why we are here. We seek some some last small piece of your God's essence or the fabric of his realm, which we will use for the ends that I have just described. We have come a very long way to be here, and we are not even the first to try. We hope, I hope that satisfies you. There is another deep, pleased rumble. She is not here, that first dead god. She never came. That was what the argument was about. Never came. This is the place where the dead come. And she was dead, but she did not come. She could not come. Do you mean she was trapped? Yes. She was caught because the spell was made to do that. And I do not know the minds of the gods exactly. I am not one of them. Perhaps they hoped it would unwind by itself. But the centuries passed, and it did not. And my master quarrelled with the others. Because she was not here, which is where she should have been. She was in his domain, but she had not come. He had the right. It's a terrible thing when gods quarrel. Yes. We'd ideally like to prevent them from quarreling again. That was what their treaty was meant for, but some of the dead who come, they have the taste of the war on them still. And you are trying to undo it. The spell that traps her and all the others. We are. Then I will help you. I knew. I knew if I waited long enough, someone would come to try. It's just looking between you, waiting for one of you to decide to finish your sentence. <laughs> Very polite. Real uh, oh. motions to Ember. <laughs> oh, all Ember was saying was, we appreciate your help. Um, Real will will point out. Um, others have tried before. None of them have. Um, none of them have shown up here. Uh, I mean, like us, alive, or. Actually, if any of them showed up here dead, that would be good to know as well. I do not see all that come, uh, living or dead. They have not come this way. Hmm. There are other roads. Not so many come through this as used to. Of course, they were all dead. And you... It takes a deeper breath and cocks its head and looks at Rill specifically, and you are mostly alive. Rill kind of looks down and, and um, touches his chest where he's got that, that scar from Maynard's lightning. Um, and he says, I'm working on it. I intend to be fully alive eventually. <laughs> <laughs> that won't be a problem here. Will it? I was unsure. think so. It's not usual. I will try to warn you if I think of something. Appreciate that. Thank you. The angel sort of settles back on its, um, on its haunches, like sort of sits down, curls its tail around its front paws. I do not want to carry you off anywhere until I know where we are going. Let us make plans. Um... Do you happen to know where we would, where we might find any shards of your lord's essence that we could bring with us, or or what direction might be the best place to start? You are more familiar with this land than we are. Mm -hmm. The whole, the whole land is 
in essence, is my lord. But I, I do not think you are looking for great chunks of it such as we have. Takes the form of a stone of power. It's more present than the things around it. It's quite unmistakable. Mm, there are, there are centers to the, to the lands, places where meaning speaks itself. You should begin there, perhaps. As you say, the great wings stretch out, tuck back in, loosely. Do you want to go without your shoes? Uh, no, we. We'd best make preparations to march. And taking that as leave, it, I'll um, start doing that, getting on shoes and armor. Mm-hmm. Packs. Mm-hmm. And it, it will take you about ten minutes to get your armor on, but uh, the angel does not appear to be in any hurry, just is quite content to just sit there, tip of the tail, twitching gently, and watch you getting ready. Sorry, Chris, you were saying? Nothing, I was just saying, I think the rest of us follow suit. Mm -hmm. When you're pretty much ready and have got your packs together, uh, the angel stands up and pads over, and one huge paw kind of reaches out and down, and hooks gently around the prow of the little boat, and just pulls it a few feet higher up the sand, just to make sure it's nice and securely beached. And then it turns to you. Shall we go? Yes, let's. I think we should start this way. And it begins padding off in a direction that to you looks like any other. Uh, and what quickly becomes obvious is that I didn't realize how slow you were going to walk. It has to circle back a bit. Try and slow down to keep pace with you. Because you are very small. Giant cat. Sort of Would it be inappropriate to ask if we could ride on it? That's for you to decide. <laughs> you can't ask the DM that. You're going to have to ask the NPC. Oh, no. <laughs> I assume it would be impolite. I mean, is it big enough that we could all fit on it? Presumably? I mean, I just from like real eyeballing it, could he tell this? Probably yes. I mean, its back is definitely long enough for you all to sit behind each other. Um, whether, you know, it might be difficult for to straddle like a horse because it's quite a wide back. Yeah, quite broad, yeah. Quite broad. And it's not got a saddle or anything. Um, but you could definitely, like, sit cross-legged up there. Hmm. Yeah, all right. When it, when it circles back around again, um... Real is going to say, uh, I'm sorry, do you have a name? My name is Martyrdom. Of course it is. (laughs) 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 Uh, Would would you mind if we tried to ride you? I think that would be a bit um, faster than the pace that we can go currently. If you think you could carry us. Roll me an insight check. Okay, let's see. My dice. Uh, that's a 12 on insight. My dice are too far away to bother rolling a deception check. <laughs> <laughs> Has Rill hung out with many cats? No, he he did canonically think they were poisonous, so not even oh, small yeah, cats. Oh yeah, he's not... not <laughs> okay, yeah. Like, not even small cats he's hung out with. He's seen them at a distance and and kept his distance. That's a strong point. In which case, I would say um, that being unfamiliar with the body language, you can see that there is some kind of emotional reaction. And maybe even you're picking up on trying not to show too much of it. You're not sure what it is. Oh, dear. (laughs) Real assumes that he has offended this large feline in some manner, um, and and sort of makes a, a short bow and says, "I, I apologize. Uh, that was asking too much, perhaps." No, I, you, no, you you are. That is, I find it acceptable, and it kind of tries to crouch down, 
and realizes that even doing that, it's going to be quite hard for you to climb up and it's to sort of wriggle down into like full on loaf position so that you can climb up from its forearm to its shoulder to get onto its back between its wings. Amazing. Uh, is anyone else riding the angel or is it just Rel? Well, having we can all been it. given permission, if if the permission looks like it's been extended, then yeah, yeah, it, it yeah, it's definitely looking at yeah. you with this sort of air of expectation. Okay, fine. Let's let's write an angel. <laughs> I want to. I just want to say something. I was going to mention it, but the conversation was flowing about like being polite to this thing was uh-huh. seems very reasonable because this is a shoes off dimension. Yes. <laughs> You're in its house. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> On this lovely soft carpet of bone dust. <laughs> you all get yourself situated on the back of this creature between its huge wings. And it's a little unsteadying when it stands up because it doesn't stand up sort of in a balanced vertical way. There's definitely some side to side puts down one paw and then the other and straightens up. And it does another of those little settling wiggles, which feel much bigger when you're on the creature. Gets its wings resettled and starts pacing across the sand um, much faster than you were going, two or three times the speed, just at this gentle loping run. So you very quickly come to one of those broad, cracked chasms between this part of the plane and that one and you feel strong back legs coil underneath it and it leaps up and there is a definite sensation as you pass over and through the gap this queasy dislocating feeling as if for a moment either you don't exist or nothing else exists as if you were the dream you were about to wake up from and then the front paws land on the next piece of shattered desert and the angel keeps moving and keeps carrying you and when you watched it jump down towards you that leap was extended multiples of time over how long it should have taken it should have been a half a second and it was at least half a minute but when you're the one making the leap when you're carried on its back you don't notice anything about time changing it feels like it takes how long it ought to take but you definitely know you've passed through somewhere that shouldn't exist or at least that you shouldn't be in how are we for time Okay, a little bit more. Are you making any attempt to direct your journey, or are you letting yourselves be taken? I'm content. I'm content to let ourselves be taken. Seems like martyrdom has as good an idea of where to go as any of us, at least. Yeah, mm-hmm. they know where they're going more than we would. Okay, so you are carried at this steady, consistent, and absolutely untiring pace for hours. Those of you who are familiar with cats definitely feel the difference between this celestial and the cats it looks like, because a cat does not run for hours unresting. The landscape becomes a deeper desert than the gentle shoreline you were on, you pass a chasm that is not just a crack of nothingness, but an actual feature of the landscape where some celestial river has cut down through layers of rock so deep that as martyrdom leaps over it, the river at the bottom is the width of a thread you can see coming closer to you on the left this range of mountains 
you almost don't see them at first because they are a bare black rock against a starry black sky. But as they come closer, you start to make out the shape of them, the way the starlight catches on the rocks. The first place that does not look natural, you can see even from a distance is ruined. You can see that the dome of the roof has collapsed in like an eggshell. It might have been a temple. It looks almost like the druidic temple around the spire. That same shape of dome before it fell in. You can see it coming from quite a long way away. When you get to within about half a mile of it, martyrdom is, is going to run to a stop and tilt its head towards that ruin. We may find something there. We may also find danger. Thank you for the heads up. You know what kind of danger? It was a place of passage once. Most who come to this realm, this is where they stay. But should another god have strong claim on them, places like this are how they pass on to those realms. It smells to me as if the portal is still there, but the realm that it went to is shattered like this one. Something may have come through. Well, best be ready then. Hmm. Do you need to rest before you fight, or shall we go in? Do we feel tired? I full-on cannot remember what time of day it was supposed to be when you started getting funeralized, but you definitely haven't fought. Okay. Yeah. No, I just so, wasn't sure, like, if the... the. Oh, sorry, no. Um, you like feel... if the process was exhausting. No, it didn't feel like anything, and for the last few hours you have been carried. So I can't remember if it's supposed to be, like, evening... But even if it is, I think you would be fairly rested and capable. Okay. Yeah. I'll look to the... I'll look to you, literally everyone else, to see if anyone's um, going to cast pre-battle magic. <laughs> I'll cast Bless again as we walk in, but it, don't, it doesn't last very long, so... Gotcha. Has it been more than an hour since we started traveling with... Yes, with you've been dogs? going three or four hours. Great, okay, I'm going to recast our Vagalus. Um... Yeah. Um, depending on how much attention you've been paying, we might need to make some rolls later if you need to navigate your way back. Fair enough. Oh, uh, can we see anything else that's... I won't say living, because that would be... Not quite right here, but I anything else that's um, mobile, I guess? Like any ghosts or uh, any anything else who sort of made this place their home? Roll me a perception check, just for sort of as you've been going along, looking around. This. Okay. Uh, 27. Mm. You have, actually. Um, you've seen what... What seemed to you like the celestial equivalent of small wildlife? Oh. Um, birds particularly. There have been several things circling, like buzzards or vultures. None of them ever, ever stooped on you. None of them seem to take much interest. But they have been there, wheeling up against the stars. Um, in the dustier parts of the desert you've passed through, you did sometimes see small tracks like rabbit or, or that sort of size. Maybe mm -hmm. a very small fox might have left tracks like that. Nothing big. Nothing on the scale of this angel you're riding, for sure. Um, and not strictly living, but you have at a couple of points seen the bleached, pale corpses of trees. Okay. It's but... remarkably restful for a desert of bones. Hmm. You all actually feel that. You feel a calm and a serenity that seem inherent to the place. And satisfied with your assurances, 
Martyrdom begins trotting forward a, a little slower, a little more cautious towards the shattered temple in front of you. It stands out in this landscape of pale sand and dark rock and dark skies because it has colour. It's some golden yellow kind of rock. It looks warm. It has not exactly a glow, not like you could see by it, but as if a different light is shining on it. Hmm. A warmer light, sunset light. And as the angel carrying you gets to within 100 yards, 50 yards, you can see flickers of movement in among the fallen masonry. You can feel a prickle on the back of your neck. The sudden awareness outside of any of your normal senses. You are not alone here. You're peering between pieces of broken wall as the angel beneath you crouches slightly and prowls. You see the flicker edge of flame along a sword. You hear something, some great figure turning to look for you. And that's what we'll pick up next episode. Ooh. That was so good. Oh, man. Come Out and Play is a real play podcast project, all trans, all the time. You can find us at CAOPcast on Patreon and on Twitter, and at our website, comeoutandplay.games. If you're trans or non-binary and you'd like to get involved, drop us a line. And as always, if you enjoy our show, share it with your friends. And if you don't enjoy our show, share it with your enemies. Word of mouth is how a project like this gets attention, and we just love attention. Also, I will remind you at this point, you have got a horse in your pocket. Oh, cool. <laughs> oh yeah, speaking of pre-battle preparations. Speaking of pre-battle preparations, you have not got on your horse. The problem with the surprise, with the surprise horse is that a surprise horse is a surprised horse. That's true. <laughs>